So I think that we have it on the screen, or you can use whatever version you have. But if there, is there somebody who would be uh, interested? Jim, would you? Yeah, go ahead. So Jim's going to read us the sermon here. know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, no longer dies. Death no longer rules over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once for all. But in that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, Offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. All right. Thank you, Jim. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for the reading of your word. Lord, we thank you for the communication that you desire to make with us this morning. And we pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to receive what you have for us and open my mouth and I might be able to communicate it. In your name, God, amen. Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's unpack this. I'm excited about where God is taking this this morning. Verse 5, let's start with verse 5. Can you put verse 5 up on the screen? I know you just took it down. If we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be joined in the likeness of his resurrection. Christians are a peculiar people. There's a lot of different words I could use for that. But Christians are a peculiar people. The way that we live our lives, our worldviews, our priorities are different than those around us. We live our lives united with Christ. In fact, to be a Christian literally means to be a little Christ, like somebody who follows after Christ. How is this possible? How is it possible we're able to live this united life with Christ? Beloved, it's because of this verse. We have been united in a death like his. And therefore, we are united in a resurrection like his. We are peculiar people because we follow Jesus in his death. We follow after him. And we also follow after him in his resurrection. To be a Christian is to die with Christ so that we might be resurrected with him. And there's a, there's a story. Now, when I say there's a story, I know we're all getting used to each other. When I say there's a story, that means this is a made-up story, right? If I, tell you, if I tell you a fact, I'll tell you. But this is a story, and it's about a pastor. And, and there's a pastor, and he was getting older, you know, uh, and he's entering into his twilight years. And in fact, his doctor said, uh, you know, things are happening. This is, this is what happens when you get older, and, and you don't have that much time left. And one day he feels like this is it. This is the moment. Um, his day has come. And so he, you know, he was a, he was a pastor of a, of a healthy church, thriving church, and he called his wife and he said, can you, I'd like you to call two people 
to come and be with me uh, today on my last day. And so she goes and she calls, and one of them is uh, an agent of the Internal Revenue Service, and the other one is a lawyer, right, prominent members of the community. And so she, she calls them up and says, hey, the pastor would like to see you. Um, so, that, of course, they come. You know, everybody knows this guy is nearing his death, so they come. And they enter his room, and he, you know, he's weak. He's lying in bed, and he smiles when he sees them and gestures them over. And he takes a hold of the IRS agent with his left hand, and he takes a hold of the lawyer with his right hand, and he kind of breathes a sigh of satisfaction, and then he kind of lays back, and, and uh, there's silence for a few minutes. And then finally the lawyer says, uh, Pastor, is there something you'd like us to do or say? And the pastor kind of, you know, he kind of struggles back awake and he looks at him and he says, well, when Jesus died, he was between two thieves and I'd like to go the same way. <laughs> That's a story. <laughs> Well, we follow Jesus in his death. Um, maybe not literally, right? Maybe not, maybe not that literally. I could say that now because I don't think that we have any IRS agents in the church yet. So that joke can only happen today. You know, a few years from now, I may not be able to say that. Um, but death is the mode by which we enter into communion with God. Death is the mode by which, look at this, if we have, if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, if we have been joined in the likeness of his death, then, therefore, because of this, because of the, the mode of death, because we've experienced death with him, therefore, we will certainly also be joined in the likeness of his resurrection. Death is the mode by which we enter into communion with God. Why is that? Why must we die first? John the Baptist, uh, who was around around the same time as Jesus, he said this, when people asked him, are you, are you concerned about Jesus becoming more and more popular? And John the Baptist said, no, he must increase and I must decrease. He has to take the forefront and I have to move to the side. Death, a reduction of ourselves, is necessary. It's not enough to simply follow Jesus. I have to stop living my life for myself and take up his life. Some people want life with Christ, but they don't want to experience death. You know, they say, I'd like to add Jesus to what I've already got going on with my life. I feel like I have a good thing put together here, and Jesus would be good to add to that. But I'm not really interested in the whole dying to myself bit. I'm not really interested in Jesus telling me what to do. I just like the good stuff that comes alongside of that. But anyone who's tried to live a new life, to really honestly change their life for the better, soon discovers that if you do not let old things die, those things are going to come back to life. If you do not cut ties with your old life and push it aside, somebody says, I want to be free from alcohol. Why are you still hanging out with the same people you used to get drunk with every week? Let me tell you something. If you don't let that die, it's going to come back to life. It's going to take back over your life. If you want to live a new life with Christ, you have to let the old life die. You don't take a new piece of fabric and sew it onto an old pair of jeans, right? Because if you do, and then you put your bell bottoms into a washing machine and a dryer, 
that patch is going to shrink and it's going to destroy those vintage 1960s bell bottoms that you love so much. <laughs> new patches have to go on new jeans so that they can shrink together and new things demand a new life. You can't let the old life hang around. Sometimes you have to let old things die to make space for the new life that God has for you. I ran into somebody the other day, and they said, uh, they noticed that, I was, that the church we're, uh, here is called New Life Foursquare. And they said, man, I really need a new life. Sister, brother, if you want a new life, be prepared. Be prepared to experience death. Because if you're not willing to walk through death, a new life will always be outside of your grasp. You have to get rid of the old things. You have to let go of old ways of doing things. Your pride, your selfishness, your conceit, your vanity, your independence, your struggling to please others, your self-deprecation. It all needs to die. It needs to go. Death is the mode by which we enter into communion with God. The death of the old life. The resurrection of the new life. Verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Our old self, our old way of doing things, the patterns of our life which were destroying us, those things have been crucified with Christ so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Living in Christ, living life through Christ means being free from sin. If you want to live a new life, you first must die to your old life to say, I'm tired of the life I'm living. I'm tired of the sin I'm steeped in. I'm tired of the dead end and the, and the roadblocks in my life. I'm tired of the life sentence I've been serving. And someone says, my life is fine. My life is great. I have money. I have influence. I have uh, health. I have all the things I need going for me. I don't really need Jesus in my life right now. Let me tell you something. Those things are so fleeting in life. If you don't believe me, just look at the stock market, right? Look how volatile that is. If you don't believe me, look at the obituaries and how many young people are dying, right? Look at Kevin Spacey, right? A man who was at the top of, in terms of power and excitement and fame and celebrity status and overnight, all that is taken away from him. If that's what you're seeking in life, you're looking for something which is fleeting, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Your money may last all day long, but when nighttime comes, where will you go next? When you slow down and sense the deep emptiness inside of yourself, then you will realize that what you really need is not a bigger house or a better car. What you really need is freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from death, Freedom from the things that constantly turn you around and turn you around. The corkscrews of our society. We need freedom. Freedom from our own driving sense of self-worth in the things that we do. Freedom from hatred. Ultimately, it's freedom from sin. Freedom is what we need. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Amen. There is power. Come on, somebody. Power. power. Wonder-working power. 
in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen, brothers and sisters. You understand what I'm saying. Do not tarry another moment. And I, I know that I'm preaching here, and there's probably a lot of Christians, but let me tell you something. There are times in my life where sin becomes an obstacle, and I realize that once again I have allowed the old self to come back to life, and I need to die to that. Don't tarry another minute. Don't let that continue another minute. The power in the blood brings freedom from sin. The message of Christianity from the beginning to the end I don't care if you're in Canada. I don't care if you're in Uganda. I don't care where you are. The message of Christianity is the same. There is death in this world, but in Christ you will find life. In Christ you will find life. In Christ you will find life. That is the message of Christianity. That's the message of the cross. That even in the midst of death, in Christ you will find life. And if there's somebody here today who says, I need life, I need life so badly, I have so much death right now that's facing me, would you just, would we just, can we just take a minute, can you just close your eyes? If there's somebody here today who says, I need life today, would you just raise your hand? Would you just say, Lord, I need life today. There's so much death around me. Today, what I need the most is life. Lord, over these people right now, I speak life over them. Jesus, that they would experience what true life truly is, and that you would come and bring freedom from sin, that you would come and put to death the old man so that new life could spring forth in the name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, all of us, all of us need this new life. We need it. Let's move on. Let's go to verse 8. This is good. This is good stuff. Am I right? This is good stuff. Verse, uh, oh, verse 7, yeah, sure. Since a person who has died is free from, light, from sin's claims. Go ahead, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Keep on going. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, no longer dies. Death no longer rules over him. In verse 10. For in that he died, he died to sin once for all. And that he lives, he lives to God. I have died to myself, and now I live for Christ. Elsewhere, Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When we learn what it means to live through Christ, death no longer has a hold over us. Because we've already died. We've already died So death for us uh, takes on a whole new meaning. In fact, Paul also says, where is your victory in death? Where is your sting? Where is it? It's gone. Why? Because we've already experienced death. We've already tasted death. We know what it tastes like. We've already died to ourselves. We've already been crucified with Christ, and now we get the chance, the opportunity to live a new life, a resurrected life, a life which is no longer under the control of death, but which now is under the control of our Lord. Eternal life, to truly live, to live free from sin and doubt and worry, 
if you would only reach out and grasp it. Reach out and grasp the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That's out of 1 Timothy. Church, today God has offered you life. Life in Christ. Will you grab a hold of it? Will you take it? Verse 11. It says, You too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And this is where it kind of gets down to it, where I want to kind of point my direction more towards those of us who are believers. Brother, I'm not asking you to be somebody that you're not. Sister, I'm not asking that you pretend. I'm asking that you live your Christian life in acknowledgement of your identity, of who you actually are. Maturing in our faith means growing up into our identity. It means grasping the reality of our sainthood and letting go of the costume of sin. That's not who you are. You were chosen by God to live a life of righteousness before him by the power of his spirit. It's a very, very different thing. You are a new person. A new life. It's not that you live in a bubble not acknowledging sin and death. It's just that sin and death no longer have control over you. The life you live today, you live to God and not to death. It means expecting the resurrection and discerning my identity as a new person. Beyond the death of Christ, I must, I can, I ought, and I will not be a sinner. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, you are in Christ. You are dead to sin and alive to Christ. You may say, oh, pastor, I don't really feel dead to sin. Brother, the Spirit of God says you are a new person. You may say, pastor, I don't really feel very alive right now. Let me tell you something. The Spirit of God has spoken life over you. It's not a matter of your feelings. It's a matter of reality. Who you are today is uniquely different than who you were before Christ. The Spirit of God has come to make effective that which Christ has already done for you. And some of us here today may have been Christians for decades, but we still need the Spirit of God to make effective the life that Jesus has put inside of us. It's like the Spirit of God, Christ has set us free from sin, but the Spirit of God comes and takes the shackles off of our feet and our hands and shows us that we are actually free. And so I want to take some time also to pray for us as Christians. Those of us who feel like death still kind of nips at our heels. Those of us who need to feel, need to know and acknowledge that there is a new life that you are called to today. Those who the Spirit of God has called into new life. I want to pray for you. In the Gospel of John, after the resurrection, says Jesus called all his disciples together and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that brings freedom 
that pulls the presence of God forward from heaven, forward from eternity. It's the resurrection of Jesus that has set us free, but it's the Spirit that releases us. So I want to spend some time in prayer about that. Would you just pray with me? Lord, I just, God, I pray for every person here. And especially, Lord, if there are those among us, Christians among us who say, you know what, I I realize that God has said that I am free from sin. I don't feel very free. I realize that God has spoken a new life over me. I don't really feel very alive right now. By the Spirit of God, I pray that you would come now and touch those hearts and those minds. Lord, would you begin to remove the barriers between those people and you? God, would you begin to tear down the walls that have been set up? And Lord, I pray especially for those of us among us who have been guarded because of something that's happened in our past. Some sort of uh, invasion has come and, and so destroyed our innocence that now we have a great big wall set up around our hearts in defense of ourselves. And God says that's not a way to live. That's not living a life of freedom. That's living a life of fear. So in the name of Jesus, we pray for freedom over lives that are dominated by fear. Jesus, you have spoken new life. By the Spirit of God, we ask that you would come and bring freedom to hearts and lives today. Jesus, would you begin to release? Jesus, would you begin to release your spirit here? Yes, Lord. Yes, God. I want to end this. I want to I want to focus on the last two verses, and then we're going to actually have our prayer team come up. And I want to encourage you to come up for prayer during that time. But let's look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Verse 13. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God. And all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. God is not satisfied until we discover what it means to live in Christ. His power, his ability, his temperance, his patience, his righteousness, his death, his resurrection, his life. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And so we're going to take some time to pray about that because I do believe that there are certain people here that God has kind of been nudging your heart a little bit, a little bit of a nudge to say, I do want to do something new in you. I want to bring some freedom. I want to bring some new life. I want to put to death something of the past. So I'm going to go ahead and invite uh, those of our prayer team who, who feel so led to come on up uh, to pray with people. And I also want to invite Brian. Would you, would you come up and help us pray as well? And Gordon, can you come up and help us pray as well? And I'm going to invite Anna to come on, on the piano. And we're going to have a time of just prayer and worship. Would you, would you play, Anna, would you play Build My Life? We're going to have a time of prayer and worship, and I want to encourage you. If you uh, today feel that you need a touch from God, a touch that goes beyond uh, simple platitudes. But if you feel that today you need to feel and know the presence of God, I want to encourage you to come up for prayer. Come up for prayer and receive what God has for you today. 
I'm going to go ahead and open our time. And if that's not you, by the way, would you just remain where you are? You can read your scripture. You can worship. You can pray for those who are up here while, where you're sitting and just uh, lift them up in an intercessory. But we want to take some time to acknowledge that there are people here who need prayer. And we believe in a God who answers prayer. So, Lord, right now we commit ourselves to you. Jesus, would you come and bring new life to our hearts? New life to us, Jesus. Lord, would you come and, and renew those things that are dead? The things that are dead are coming to life again. And Lord, we put down and lay down all of our old past, all of our old patterns and ways of doing things to take up the reality of your cross, Jesus. Lord, would you be with us today and work among us and move among us. Church, you're welcome to come up and pray. You're welcome to worship where you are. We're going to take a few minutes just to pray and worship.